Dear God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together and worship you. So many distractions out there, so many things pull at our hearts. Here we have this space where we can settle down and need you to break through all the distractions, all the barriers we put up. We need something more than ourselves. We need you. We need more of you. Pray that you'd help us to see you clearly. Help us with how we think. And uh, we're so thankful for Jesus and the cross. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So we're in this series called Mind the Gap, thinking about how we think. But not just thinking about how we think. It's a space we don't often think about. But what we're interested in is more than just thinking about how we think. We want to see what God says about how we think. So the series is a little different because we're jumping through a couple key passages. Each week has a verse or two attached to it, and that verse talks about how we think, talks about our mind, our thought process. And last week, we talked about how in 2 Corinthians, it teaches us that we have strongholds in our thinking. These are lies that the enemy throws at you, that the devil wants you to believe. These are lies that are often disguised. We don't always know their, their lies. Sometimes we treat them as their truth, and, and in doing so, they captivate us. They, they place us captive, and, and this passage talks, in 2 Corinthians, was talking about how we, we need to demolish strongholds. That's some, pretty, that's some pretty crazy, strong language, like God's not messing around. When's the last time you told your kid to go anywhere and demolish something? right? It's probably not first on your mind. It's strong language by God talking about these lies that we allow to mess with our thoughts and our thinking. Strong language from God about taking every thought captive. And sometimes those strongholds need to be pulled down and the lies need to be replaced with truth and that's what we talked about last week if you're believing a lie that you'll always be alone no you need to replace that with some truth that God will never leave you nor forsake you if you're believing some lie that life will never get any better you have to know that he has plans for you and a future for you and not plans to harm you but to give you a future and to give you hope you can replace the lies that, that, are, that are reinforced by the enemy and our circumstances and sometimes the voices from your past. We need to replace them with truth. This is the weapon Jesus used when the enemy came at him with a bunch of lies. This is the weapon God gives us. It's called a sword to take the offensive against those lies and strongholds that we allow in our thinking. I don't know what lies you're, me- you're dealing with. My lie I shared with you last week is that I-, I believe a lie way too often that I'll never be good enough. I need to replace that, that God's grace is sufficient for me and that he is, his power is made perfect in my weakness. I gotta replace that lie with the truth about what God says. I hope you spent some time digging into those strongholds last week. This week we're his message is called Stayed On It. I'm stayed on it. And if you have a pen, we're going to fly through some stuff pretty quick. So if you take notes, you, you're probably going to want to go grab a, a little extra coffee so you can keep up. You ready to keep up? <laughs> so, 
the verse that we're focused on this morning is Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 through 4. I'm going to read it to you. It's the main anchor for this whole message, and we're just going to talk about, about it. Stayed on it. It says this. You ready? You will keep in perfect peace. That sounds kind of good. Perfect peace. I kind of like the ring of that. That's what seems to be most elusive in my life. I wouldn't describe my days as perfectly peaceful. Would you? Would you? Like, is that how you categorize? My days are more like crazily conflicted <laughs> or spinning out of control. <laughs> the, the last thing I would describe my days in this kind of crazy world that's pulling us in all kinds of different directions with the expectations of others piling up high on us. The last thing I would say is perfect peace. That's why it sounds so good to me. You will keep in perfect peace. This is a song written to God. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds, thinking about how we think this morning, are steadfast, it says in the NIV. I, I love the way the e English Standard Version writes this verse. Means the same thing, but I like the way it sounds. You will keep in perfect peace those who are stayed upon you. Those whose minds are stayed upon you because they trust in you. It goes on and in verse 4 it says, Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord, the Lord himself is the rock eternal. I don't know if you can smell what the rock is cooking this morning. No, too much. <laughs> Old school WWE references, too much for you this morning. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you're catching this right, but like the peace comes from having your mind, your thoughts in the right place. Some of you just need to write that down. Your minds are torn in every kind of crazy direction. You're not experiencing peace. And what I want to ask you this morning is what's stealing your peace? I think if you dive into that question a little bit, it's not something I can dive into for you. But I think if you dive into that question a little bit and take a moment to take stock of your heart and your head, and you start asking yourself, what's, what's really stealing your peace? You, you learn something really important. You see, my guess is that what's stealing your peace is, is less external and more internal. That if you were to actually discover what those things in your life that steal your peace, I don't know, maybe you're a student and what steals your peace is this constant drive to feel like you have to get the grades to measure up. You stay up all kinds of hours at night just feeling that pressure that you have to perform and that if you get the grades, you'll be okay. And, and I don't know, maybe that's what steals your peace. Maybe what's been stealing your peace is a relationship that's in conflict. It wasn't always that way. It used to be great. You don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, you're on different planets. And there's not, like, nice 
caring conversation. It just feels like you're always trying to figure out if the other person's angry at you and what to do about it. And they're probably trying to figure out if you're angry at them and what to do. I don't know what's stealing your peace. Maybe some of your circumstances have gotten a little twisted up. Maybe you have a, a boss who is not a fan. Or at least you don't think that boss is a fan. Seems like nothing you can do is never quite good enough and you can't measure up. Maybe that's stealing your peace. I don't know what's stealing your peace. A broken relationship? Some betrayal? But my guess is what's really underneath it is less external and more internal. That it's connected to how you think. How you think about what happened. How you think about what's going on. And that if you start to discover what it is that is actually stealing your peace, you will start to get some clues about those strongholds that set themselves up in your mind. What's been stealing your peace? You probably have been stayed on that. You see, we get stuck on what we stay on. And if you have something that has been stealing peace from you, it's easy to obsess about it. Those things are easy to steal our focus. We spend so much more time thinking about them, even then we want to real even when we're not thinking about them, we're thinking about them. We go to bed thinking about them. We wake up thinking about them. We're constantly trying to plan our steps or walk on eggshells because we're thinking about them. What steals your peace? Because we get stuck on what we stay on. And if that thing that has been stealing your peace has your focus, it's playing with your mind. You subconsciously are obsessing on it. No wonder you feel stuck. No wonder you feel stuck at that job. No wonder you feel stuck in your relationship. No, matter, no wonder you feel stuck like nothing's ever going to get better. Like maybe God isn't hearing your prayers. Like nothing's changing. It's not, it's because your focus, your thoughts are stayed on the wrong thing. And you're stuck. Maybe you're stuck on who's wrong and who's right. Maybe you're stuck on past hurt, a betrayal, a big mistake you made. Every time it comes up, you're just filled with shame and guilt. Maybe you're stuck on some kind of need you have that you, you can't seem to fill with all of these things or all of these other people. Can I tell you what I've been stuck on? I'm trying to be as transparent about how I think in the midst of this series. I get stuck on this need to have everybody approve and like me. <laughs> it's deep. Some of y'all got problems trying to please people in life. You can't keep up because you're constantly trying to make everybody happy. Welcome to my world. <laughs> Mine is super complex because like, if you study personalities and profiles, I don't know if you do that, um, we dive deep into, I've had to dive deep into my personality and taking all these tests and you get huge reports on yourself. And one thing I learned is that my capability to make high-risk decisions is like almost off the chart. 
but so is my need to be, the, to be liked. <laughs> you know what that means? That means I torture myself all the time. Because I can make a really big, hard decision that not everybody's going to like. If I see what I feel like God's leading me to do, I have the ability, the courage in the moment to make the decision. No matter what, if, I, if it's right, if it's the direction God has for me, I can do it. Even no matter what it costs me. But then, I still want everybody to like me. So I lay up at night like, Maybe I should have done this different. If I would have done this different, they would have approved. Or maybe I just didn't communicate the decision as good as I should have. I should have communicated it better. I shouldn't have used that word. I should have used this word. I should have said it like this. That would have been better. Maybe if I would have explained myself more, they would understand that this is the best decision for everybody and they'd still like me. The problem is sometimes people just don't like you. And the other problem is, no matter what decision you make, somebody's not going to love it. You could decide to go to Arby's instead of McDonald's, and if you have a family with kids, half of them will disagree with the decision you made. They, won't, they don't even know you picked Arby's. They're just mad, you know, like that they wanted the other thing. You ask them, what's the other thing? They'll be like, I don't know, I just want it. You can't make everybody happy. And I get stuck on that. I get stuck there, torturing myself, wanting everybody. What do you get stuck on? Maybe you don't need everybody to like you. I'm working on it, by the way, so I care a little bit less if you like me or not. <laughs> but I still, I still care a little bit. So don't mess with me today. You can mess with me tomorrow. Don't mess with me today. <laughs> I'm going to go nap and watch the Eagles. <laughs> I don't have to watch the Phillies because they won. <laughs> I say that with love for our St. Louis fans. Um, go to Tremont for the rest of playoffs. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What do you get stuck on? Your thoughts stay on it. And then you get stuck. Your thoughts stay on it. I, I can't list it all for you. You gotta take an honest look, a transparent look at your own life and your own heart. What do your thoughts stay on? We need to let go of some stuff, but letting go feels impossible. Letting go of my need for everybody to like me, it feels impossible. Some days it takes everything I got not to care about things I shouldn't care about. And the process is exhausting and painful. And if you got some stuff you gotta let go of, can I just suggest that maybe you can't let go of it with your own strength? My guess is that if you could let go of it, if you could let go of that mistake or that wound or that past, if you could let go of that need to be liked by everybody, if you could let go of that desire to impress people with your performance on an athletic field, or if you 
if you could let go of that need to academically perform so that your parents look at you and say, oh, you're so smart, I'm so proud of you. If you could let go of that, you would have let go of that already. You wouldn't be stuck there. It wouldn't be messing with your heart. It wouldn't be messing with your head. I just want to submit that maybe if you need to let go of some stuff, you need a bigger source of energy and strength than you can muster on your own. Thank goodness, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to bench press 300 pounds tomorrow, especially if you've been eating cheeseburgers and mint chocolate chip ice cream every week for the last six months. It doesn't mean that you're gonna win the game or that the Eagles are gonna win the Super Bowl because they put a verse in the, in the end zone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It means that he is the source of your strength to get through what you need to get through. You need to get through it. You need to let go of some stuff. And you can't do it on your own. But you have a source of strength that'll deepen your faith and trust that can make it possible for you to walk through anything. For you to do anything. But we need to make less room for those thoughts that we get stuck on and stay on. We need to make less room in our minds for all of those other things. And the only way to make less room for those thoughts is to fill them with right and better and true thoughts. That's why last week we talked about replacing those lies with something. And today I want to suggest that we do something just a little bit different but just as important and powerful this verse, Isaiah 26, 3, it uses that word steadfast or stayed. It actually comes from a Hebrew word. I called it Greek in the 930 service because I don't know why. It doesn't matter because <laughs> it was 930 and I'm tired. <laughs> I stayed up and watched the Phillies way late last night. It, it means this. It's a Hebrew word, samak. It's actually spelled S-A-M-A-K. Um, and it, it, it's that word stayed on, stayed on it. It means a couple of things. It means to lean on it, sustain it, take hold of it, lay hard on it. I, I'm going to tell a story that could get me in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> Great thing to do right before the elders are all on stage at a leadership meeting. You know, 2008 was a terrible year for my family. Really difficult stuff we had to walk through. No way we could walk through it in our own strength. If you know the story, you know the story. I'm not telling this story to make you sad um, or, or to feel anything. But or I don't want to play with your emotions. But I have to put it in context. So, so like in March... I lost my brother, Caleb, in a car accident. He was 19 years old. Two weeks later, after a six-month battle with pancreatic cancer, maybe a little more than six months, I lost my mom to pancreatic cancer. Um, in two weeks, that all happened. It was crazy traumatic, like crazy traumatic. N lots of not sleeping 
and vomiting in garbage cans I walked by. It wrecked us. And my brothers and I, the, the three of us that are here on earth still, you know, and my dad, we were racing between taking care of all the plans for my brother's Caleb's funeral and helping try to take care of each other and his friends and um, dealing with my mom who crashed after that funeral and was taken immediately down to uh, Thomas Jefferson where she would transfer to heaven from. Um, and it was exhausting. We were down there around her, no regrets, almost every minute, even when she wasn't with it, we were just there together, being with her, just making sure she wasn't alone, helping with whatever we could help. Exhausting, to the most exhausted I've ever been in my life. Way more exhausted than the time my family rescued a bunch of little kittens that we had to bottle feed for two weeks. More exhausted than when those little kids, you got two little kids in diapers, right? And you like, that's a... That's a storm or two. Way more exhausted than that. And my brother Luke and I uh, were driving back home, and he had set up an appointment to get some ink. And uh, this is a part that's going to get me in a little bit of trouble maybe. But I can talk to you about the Old Testament passages some other time if you want. Um, and he's like, yo, let's, we had these, this art done in honor of my brother. And uh, he's like, let's... Let's just do this. It was really about how we're always going to be four brothers, and uh, just one of them, one of us is in heaven. And so we, we stopped to get some ink. <laughs> and the adrenaline and the pain after two weeks of not sleeping or barely sleeping in hospital rooms, it was unbelievable. I never felt so more exhausted. I got home. I immediately laid on the couch and crashed like Jaw wide open, spit slopping out of the side of my mouth. No sound in the world could awaken me. Like I was, my kids who were little at the time started putting toys on me. I had a ballerina dress laid across me. There are pictures that I hope you never find <laughs> of this. They will be all over the internet. They had, it wasn't like just teddy bears they were stacking on, all kinds of toys, like plastic train sets. And like the pictures, when they showed it to me, Jen's like, I cannot believe you slept from this, literally covered with all of these toys. You couldn't, you could have set off a foghorn, and that is what it looks like to lay hard on something. It's like crash, nothing else matters doesn't matter what people think, how much drool is coming off the side of your house or how big the wet spot is on the couch. None of it matters. All that matters is that you crashed on it. That's Samak. It's crash on him. And nothing else will matter. It all gets smaller. All you got, everything else gets lost and put into its proper place. You just got to crash. You're exhausted. Crash on him. You've been beat up. Crash on him. You've suffered some wounds from some people. You got to crash on him. You got to lean in. It's not this idea where we can just pass by God or treat him like a side hustle. It's not this idea that Sunday mornings are good. I can do it. I just need 
to get an hour in Sunday morning. It'll make it through the week. It's not, oh, when I love that worship song, I'm going to play it on the ride to work over and over again, and then that's. Like the idea of having your mind stayed on him is that you take your thoughts and you lay them hard on who God is, on who he is. Some of y'all, your faith doesn't feel big enough for your obstacle. It's not, it's not because your faith isn't big enough. It's because your view of God is too small. You could have a lot of faith in a little God, and it's not going to get you very far. Some of you have trust issues. You're not trusting God. But it's not because your issues are too big. It's because your God's too small. You could have a lot of trust in a small God, and it's not going to get you very far. Can I just say God's got to be bigger than an hour on a Sunday morning. Your God's got to be bigger than a couple of worship songs that give you a little, I don't know, a little Britson. Is that what they call it out? Skook, the West Side Skook, I think, like Pennsylvania Dutch. You know what I'm talking about? Like this little ice squirt. Big faith and a deep trust that is necessary to let go of what has been haunting you and to move forward through what pains you is so needed. And the only way to deepen your faith and to deepen your trust is to have a bigger picture of God. So that's why this passage says, perfect peace comes from a mind, your thoughts. They're not stuck on all this other garbage. They're not staying on what pains you, what tortures you. A mind that experiences peace is a mind that keeps coming back to, keeps crashing on, knows this big God. So here's the challenge for today. Last week was replace a lie with truth. Here it is to wrap it up. I'm gonna go quick. I'm not gonna be able to read all these verses, so just jot them down. Here they are. Here's what, what's easier, right? Like A.W. Tozer's famous Christian author from way long ago, he said there's nothing greater than to study than the character of God, Okay? So, so what I want to submit to you is like, if you need a bigger God, get to know him. If your faith is small, too small, get to know the really big God. If you're struggling with trust, if you need to let go of something, get to know the attributes and the character of God. Maybe you feel like nothing has been good for you. People have not been good to you. And every day is an uphill battle. See, what you need to do is you need to write that on a piece of paper 
so you can see it and own it. And cross out what you're stuck on and replace it with an attribute of God. I'm for real. Do it. I got to write down, I need everybody to like me. And then I need to scratch it out. And I need to replace it with something different from the character of God. He's good. Psalm 34, 8. If others haven't been good to you, maybe you need to stay your mind on the goodness of God. We don't see it, but it's there every day because it's just who he is. He is good. Maybe if you've been burned because somebody changed on you or something changed on you, maybe what you need to do is Cross that out and write down that God is unchanging. He doesn't change. Malachi 3.6 is my favorite verse for that. He's unchanging and so I am not destroyed. Maybe you've been let down by somebody who's weak or you have let yourself down because you're weak. You can't stop doing the things you don't want to do. And you need to know that God is powerful. Psalm 33, 6. His attribute is gracious. If you've been living in guilt and fear because of something in your past, if shame is what shouts at you and takes the wind out of your sails, maybe you need to be reminded that God's character is he is a gracious God. Psalm 145, 8 that he loves you and likes you, that he offers you unmerited favor and pardon. He extends his grace to you. He's merciful, Romans 9, 15 through 16. He's holy, he's not like everybody else. He's set apart. And people have let you down, or you've been hurt by some misjustice or injustice in your past or in your present, like God is holy and he is just, Deuteronomy 32, 4. He knows it all. He holds the balance of justice. If you feel like nobody knows you and nobody gets you, Maybe you need to replace that with the character that God is all-knowing. He sees everything. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows the circumstances you are walking through. He knows everything about you, Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, and he cares so much. Maybe you feel so alone. You're stuck on the fact that you might always be alone. You need to know that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Psalm 139, there's nowhere you can go to escape him. He is there surrounding you. He loves you. You don't feel loved. Maybe you need to know that God is a loving God. 1 John 4, 7 through 8. And that his love is described as unfailing. It's just who he is. See, we gotta stay our mind on something different. And my hope and prayer for us is that this week, when those thoughts kind of pop up, we wanna stay on them and get stuck on them, that we'll keep reminding ourselves, digging deeper to know, to study who this God is, that we would start to obsess instead of 
about our deficiencies or our failures. Instead, that we would start to obsess about this character of this God that we have placed our faith in. And that as a result of knowing him and drawing close to him, that we would learn to depend on him and crash on him. That he would be who we stay on. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your character, that you are unchanging, that you are all-powerful, that you are just and merciful, that you are holy, that you are set apart, unchanging. We're so thankful for who you are, and yet all of us, myself included, we don't know you as much as we should. If we did, our trust would be growing. It would be big enough to help us walk through these deep challenges we have to walk through. If we did, our faith, it would, would just so much more easily invade our thinking. Help us to not stay on all that other junk that we get stuck on, but to have our minds stayed on you so that we could experience the peace not just any peace, the perfect peace you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.